just couldn't imagine a, a remote working environment where trust isn't, isn't there. You are listening to Running Remote, a podcast about building and scaling effective distributed teams. Join us as we dive inside the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. They've thrown out the traditional rules and business textbooks and are actively finding new ways of organizing their teams, driving productivity, and scaling their growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. Today's episode is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference held in beautiful Bali, Indonesia. Check out the speaker lineup at runningremote.com and get 20% off your conference ticket for being a Running Remote podcast listener. Simply use coupon code IRUNREMOTELY and your 20% discount is automatically applied. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Running Remote Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Burns, and today I have with me Pablo Hoffman, one of the founders of Scraping Hub. Hello, Pablo. How are you? Hi, Stephanie. I'm, I'm really good. Thanks for having me here. Oh, we're really excited to talk to you today. You've got a really interesting story, especially around remote work, and I can't wait to dive into that. But before we do that, will you give us a quick rundown of you and your career? Absolutely. So I graduated as an engineer in 2006. I lived all my life here in Montevideo, Uruguay, a small country in South America. And I started my company, my first company after I graduated. It was a software outsourcing company where we did Python development for other companies out there. And um, that's when I started um, a project called Scrappy that became an, an open source, uh, a very popular open source project. Uh, people started using it and rallying around it. And uh, we decided to to start escaping around around this this project a couple of years after I, I open sourced it with my my partner in um, escaping hub myself like i've always been a geek i i, I <laughs> work remotely my my entire life and um i just don't see any other way to to work really i'm just too, too used to that yeah tell me and and our listeners what exactly does scraping hub do escaping hub it's a business around getting data from the web. There are multiple ways and, and techniques to do that. We offer both the tools to developers, uh, individuals, and companies to do the do the job themselves and get data from the web. We're very proud of the technical tools that we built, Scrappy this framework being one of them. But we also provide services to do the, the work uh, ourselves and provide the data directly to companies out there. Data, as they say, is the new oil, and everybody <laughs> is using data these days to make decisions, to to provide competitive intelligence to their business and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we are at the forefront of collecting this, this information from, from the web, growing the challenging ways. And, 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 and uh, we are predominantly a technology company because we, both of us, my partner and myself being engineers when we started the company, we built a very, very solid technical team. And we, that's how we tackle things here, being a technology first company. So what was the need in the market or what was the hole that you saw that made you start this company? Let's go back then to 2007. Uh, we were scraping, which is exactly, essentially extracting data from a few websites for this company that we were uh, for. And uh, I noticed that there were a lot of patterns and, and repetitive things that we were doing at the time that could be just factored out in a, in a common framework. And that's mm. how uh, well, Scrappy started. 
at that point, I just wanted to make the life of other people in, in, in our position easier, mm -hmm. uh, namely developers out there digging and, and harvesting data from, from, from the web. That was my whole intent and at, at the time, producing something that is valuable to others out there. So I was, in, in, in essence, my own customer back, mm. back then. Then after Scrappy grew in popularity, I realized that there was potentially the possibility to keep working on Scrappy on an ongoing basis and outside of this particular company we were working on. So we decided to continue doing this because it was really, I mean, in our hearts, it was, it was our baby and it was something that we thought we built that provided great value to the world in general. So we, we, we embarked in this, in this mission to build a, a, a company that took uh, Scrappy one step further and provide a, a platform for developers out there to make it easier to run these, these spiders and these extractors uh, from the web. It's a fully bootstrapped company. We don't have investors. Uh, which means that we essentially, the way we, we used to bootstrap the company was to sell development hours and, and consulting services around Scrappy and around getting data from the web to fund the, the, the other part of the business that we want to, to create, which was the platform. In, in a similar way that uh, GitHub is a, is a platform to manage Git repositories, we wanted to build a, a, a platform for running a Scrappy, a Scrappy Spiders. That's how we started. And then we realized that there's a lot of interest from companies and a growing, ever-growing interest from companies in getting just the data. And it's less important about the technology that you use to get the data. So we've been, over the last years, we've been uh, investing a lot into th this part of the business. But we've always and will always uh, remain faithful to our roots of open source and the technology side of the business. That's the, the part that we, we all feel really passionate about. But you can actually have both. And, and it's very important to the open source uh, part of the business for us. It's very important to, and it goes at, 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 the, at the DNA, as we call it, of, of the company, because it sets how we how we measure our culture. Like culture we, we're very open culture, trust and op on openness and transparency, which are values that are present in open source projects all over. Also values that we've always kept in, in Escape Mechan from, from the beginning and that had been a major, have been a major impact into being able to grow the, the company. That's really interesting, and I, I definitely want to talk about that because you brought up culture. But before that, I want to point out, we were just talking, you and I, your co-founder is in Ireland, and you are in Uruguay, and you've only met each other in person a handful of times, correct? Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's amazing. We met uh, more often these days, but throughout the, the course of the first four or five years of, of the company, we only met maybe four or five times. And that's wow. quite mind blowing for <laughs> to yes. many many people I, I spoke with, and that tells a lot about how uh, how overrated <laughs> sometimes is the need to meet in person to make things happen, right? Yeah. And I think this is this is key to. I mean, if we hadn't been able to do that, perhaps Kepika wouldn't be what it is today. We relied on virtual communication in order to start the company at the beginning and to hire people and hire talent uh, out there. We wouldn't otherwise haven't gotten to, to this stage if we didn't believe that that was going to work. So was it just you and your co-founder in the beginning or did you hire right away? We started just my co-founder and myself and, um, and a developer that we had working for us at, at the time. And we actually, my co-founder came 
here to Uruguay three months to brainstorm how we bootstrap the business, how we started the whole thing. But then he came back to, to Ireland and stayed there. And at the time, I had a company already where we had developers uh, building products for other companies. And so our strategy to bootstrap was to move people from my previous company to Scraping Hub the moment that we needed to, to grow, right? So we have an initial talent pool here in Uruguay. Okay. But we immediately, at the end of the, let's say, first year, we started looking for people remotely. And our very important thing that we that we use at that time is the, our presence in the open source community because mm. we needed to to hire people. Uh, we need to hire developers essentially. Yeah. Up to the third or fourth year, we were predominantly all engineers and developers here in the company. But we also have a strong foot in the open source community with Scrappy, so it was a natural place to hire people from, and that's uh, where we hire our first ten, twenty. External people, and then we we continue through Stack Overflow and other popular networks of developers to look for people. But we already had all the open source and our reputation in the open source world to uh, help us build a, a, a reputation on, on a company that uh, otherwise may not have one, or you, you don't have an office. We still don't have a like a formal office where we receive customers, right? right. That's uh, and we, there are some some things like, uh, for example, in 2015, we were the largest company fully distributed outside the corporate outside the states now GitLab has surpassed us and and rightly so they're a great company it's a few wow. milestones that we've we've gotten along the way that uh, make wow. me and the team very proud yeah so how many team members do you have currently we are at 140 140 uh, wow yeah and the, the first years we were pretty much doubling the stuff every year so oh we reach a point uh, in around 100 where we had to scale <laughs> scale down the, the growth um, because we needed to rethink a few things in, to, in terms of how the, the team worked together and communicated and, and, and managed. But yeah, these are all people that work full-time, essentially. So I have like a thousand questions about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> shoot away. <laughs> Amazing. So first, tell me, did you see, you kind of mentioned this, did you see a, a big difference in onboarding after you hit that 100 person mark like mm-hmm. onboarding is is crucial onboarding is a crucial part even when you're at, at the team of 20 mm-hmm. you need to have onboarding more or less figured out because if you're growing a team that it works from all over the, the, the globe that may overlap only on a few time zones you need to have like things like a mentor that will help someone uh, fiddle through the company fortunately in our case Initially, we only had engineers and developers. We were all like very like-minded, if you will, and we were able to connect really quickly and and, and understand each other. And that was that was key to to provide good on, onboarding to to the newcomers of the of the company. At the point where we reach, uh, we were reaching 100. There were a lot of communication gaps, perhaps that made it harder to continue scaling up the team until we reorganize better. Aside from that, we we we've also. Uh, had a bit of a financial issues in 2016 that fortunately we have more than recovered from that allow us to now scale up the team uh, again and continue our growth trajectory. The team is large because we are a service company, but half of it is a service company. And mm-hmm. as such, we need people to, to work and provide the professional services. So we're not as other companies that you may see out there, the, the, the most prominent remote working companies that are product first, you know, we're half and half product and services yeah so we require people to to deliver our our services i'm not sure if you if i've 
I've answered your, your question. Yeah. So when you, when you hit that mark where you realized, oh, okay, this is going too fast. It's getting too big. We need to reorganize. What were some of the things that you noticed that needed to change as you grew your remote team? One of the things was clearly organizational in the sense that we started pretty much completely flat and we started like as, as, as a natural extension of what will be the, the scrappy project and the companies that I may have been used to run before, which are no more than 20 people. So everything was really flat. We could afford having like complete channels of communication between everybody in, in the company. But at some point, and I would say even way before reaching the 100, we realized that communication was falling behind and we weren't like accountability, expectations, and all those things were just unclear. Everybody had the best intentions and everybody wanted to see uh, things growing and getting, and getting better, but just like the basic infrastructure of, of providing good communication channels wasn't there. We were basically running the team in multiple squads, if you will, without a clear, let's say, direction of how things get approved and done. So what mm-hmm. we did is we, we went through this couple of years organizing a little bit, uh, recruiting a, a senior leadership team that takes care of the basics uh, that needs to happen on a company this size. And the challenge in this last year, two years, has been doing that while retaining our, our original culture of openness, trust, and, and, and flat structure. I'm happy to say that I, I believe we've, we've achieved that. And now we're with the management team and the, the sub teams in place where we're shaped and ready to move forward and continue growing and doubling the size of the team as we used to do in the, in the past. This was a necessary step that we needed to, to go through in order to allow us to, to continue uh, the, the growth stage. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So what are some of the advantages that you've noticed having an all-remote team? Right. So, well, the talent pool is probably the most important one in terms of being able to recruit people from everywhere. We ability to look for talent and not locations. And also, I mean, I always say that if we wanted to start a company with so much and grow to, to have so much talent anywhere, we would not be able to do it neither in Ireland nor in Uruguay nor in San Francisco, right? Because there's, there's not enough talent in a single place yeah. that you can, can build. You need to resort to do it remotely on a global scale. That's just a, an enabler for, for building a, such a talented uh, team. The other one is, well, the... the the liberty to manage uh, everybody's time and travel around and everybody uh, always speaks wonder about uh, the ability to manage their own time, be with their family, with their kids and adjust the work hours to the, the best way that they that fits on, on, their, on their life. We always say that we look for results and not hours logged. And we already have like 20 different time zones anyway to work on. So it doesn't matter what time you're working, there's always going to be other scraping hours, as we affectionately call them, working. And 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 uh, it's really work-life balance and talent pool, I think, the two, two, biggest two key ones. So what are some challenges that you've had with having a remote team? Yeah, at the same time, I mentioned time zones. Time zone is a big challenge mm-hmm. uh, as well. If you it gets time as practice and you, you, you're able to, to overcome most of the problems there. Essentially, time zones mean that you need to prepare your working schedule properly so that you have meetings and interact with the people that you need to at the times that they're going to be available. Communication has been also a top challenge, as I mentioned a few times already. We need to communication remote teams. I believe it's so important to be written and to be asynchronous 
that's something that all other people in my business is saying. But uh, you need to understand how to communicate asynchronously well in order to strive in a remote working environment where multiple time zones are, are involved. I would say also expectations, for example, uh, things related to when is it okay to message someone, not just the time, but am I bothering this person too much? Am I not communicating fluently enough? Mm-hmm. All those things that you can usually pick up by social clues or visual clues when you are in person, that those are things that are left unsaid are some of the challenges that we've been seeing, especially when you have multiple cultures as well. We have people from over 20 countries and when multiple cultures are, are involved, those unwritten rules can be detrimental if you don't prepare beforehand. Then when you go to a larger team, compliance, regulator labor laws and, and multiple countries can become uh, like a paperwork struggle that you need to, to deal with. But that's really a nice problem to have, if you will, because it means that you, you've grown to a certain size and you should be celebrating as well. <laughs> right. So that's the advantages and disadvantages of having your remote team now, you have the unique situation of having a remote partner. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced there that you and your partner have had to say, okay, we need to figure out a better way to do this? Absolutely. Well, we made a conscious choice that we never regret about the incorporating scraping having in Ireland from the beginning. It made more sense commercially. And like all this challenge that I mentioned before actually applied for me to work with my partner. Uh, fortunately, we're very, very like-minded and we understand ourselves uh, very well. So we, we usually understand ourselves without having to say things, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. we are very like-minded and we've also happened to work for two years before started uh, Scraping Hub. But sometimes when we had, in the past, we were like sort of managing the company, both of us, separately. And there could be some differences, you know, mm-hmm. between the between uh, the way my partner will communicate something and the way I communicate something. And that could create some confusion. And that was part of the restructuring that we went through these last two, three years that allowed for a more seamless clarity of communication so he's now the ceo i'm a director of the board and i am involved in a specific in specific uh, strategic projects whereas he as a ceo he's uh, running the the rest of the company that's how we currently found the best way to run the company without uh, causing so much confusion if, yes. if you will yeah. um, so that's that took time to figure out but uh, those things that take time I think that's so interesting. My my previous business, my partner and I, we sat in a tiny room with our desks facing each other and we basically faced each other all day and worked on things. And our output was a ton. And it's like we kind of developed this super secret twin language almost where we could just like look at each other and know what the other person was thinking or working on. And and it turned into this really fabulous way of working between the two of us. But when we started to expand our team, we both quickly realized that in terms of communication, we needed to be clearer with the people who were outside of our, our little bubble. And that was really difficult and challenging for us too, is, you know, bringing others into that as well. Do you find that you have that? And is that why you guys kind of separated roles is because... Yeah, there is a lot of that. And at the beginning, as I mentioned earlier, like a lot of the team was in Uruguay and the, the part of the sales and, and, and growing the first uh, customer contracts was just talking to my, my partner and people here in Uruguay. So for me, it was, I had that sort of chair and same table interaction that you're that you're talking about with, mm-hmm. with people here. And that made things flow more easily. But at some point, that was no longer there. It took time to realize that 
that was no longer there even because when you're in the day-to-day, you forget that things are changing and, and you just sometimes you're too myopically focused and you're in your day-to-day and forgot to look back and see things from like 20,000 feet view. And that's, uh, yeah, that is uh, some of the things that I, I'm happy to say that I'm, that I'm able to do now because of this reorganization that we've done no longer so, so involved in the in the day-to-day and I'm able to see better and clearer the big picture and really focus on the on the difficult problems that we understand need, need attention so it's something that took us took us some time to to figure out but I I'm very happy to to say that we've overcome those those challenges definitely yeah. so how do you foster culture among your remote workers Culture has always, for the most part, been something implicit on, on, on escaping at the early stages. And, and now, for a year or so, we've actually started explicitly documenting our culture uh, values. Like, if you if you look at our, at our website now, for example, you wouldn't see the culture values in our careers page now. That will change in a month from now. But this goes back to when we started the company and with all the engineering culture and the open source DNA that started the company in the first place. There was a, a lot of implicit cultural values based on that very, very DNA of, of open source that were things like ownership and trust were implicit and so important. Trust is one of the most important things in our, in our culture from the point that, I mean, you're working with people all across the globe. Obviously, you need to have trust mm. and people need to feel trusted. And trust is not something that you, you earn easily, right? It's, it's what you do, what you say, and, and what you commit to and what you end up doing ultimately and so building building trust and, and it's so important to just couldn't imagine a, a, a remote working environment where trust isn't isn't there and the way we we do it is basically just by behaving the way we want uh, people to to behave so our cultural values are ownership trust respect and growth mentality we try to put um every now and then we mention things that are very well aligned with our cultural values we celebrate them by acting like that people um, are able to see that culture and just not aren't just things that are floating around but more concrete and that's what we i mean just essentially is do what you say you you do and that's how you embrace culture and not i guess it is may not be just solely something for remote teams but in general right mm-hmm. but for remote teams really the the communication channels need to be fluid enough to contemplate that people will consume the information in an asynchronous way and at, at their own time and also being mindful of the different cultures that are country cultures that are are present in, in, in the team. Right. And I mean, you have a very large team from what you were telling me. So do you do any like company retreats to get together or meetups or anything like that? I'm very proud to say that we started company-wide meetups last year in Spain. We had our very first global meetup and it was super important and super impactful for the team and we're going to repeat that this this year uh, in November as well just after we we had the, the get together the first get together ever last year and for us it's very it's a, it's a lot of sacrifice because we need to fly people from over 25 countries so it's a quite a quite a financial uh, sacrifice but I strongly believe that it paid off more more than than well uh, because people they were they feel a lot more friends like they were able to to put faces behind this, like uh, avatars, just to put it somehow. People were really a lot more engaged with each other after, after they get together. And we had a lot of fun. 
that's why we're we're, we're investing again in in, in, a, in our second get together. So, that, that seems yeah. to be very important and definitely something that other business owners that I'm talking to have said. And it's the intangibles that come out of it. It's the rapport that's being built. It's the connections that are being created that seem to make the work better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would be a piece of advice that I will give to someone starting a, a remote company. Start your get-togethers from, from year one if you can afford them. So absolutely. Interesting. So you actually answered my next question was, what advice would you give to somebody who's starting a remote team? These kinds of meetups, but do you have anything else that you would? No, absolutely. For example, like I think documenting your expectations from day one around communication, around availability and around work interactions. It's it's very important. It's, it's super important so that there are no assumptions or, or wrong or, or good assumptions about how you expect your team made to work and, and all that. So documenting expectations is super important. And the other thing I would say is just start, right? No matter where you are, I'm here in, in Uruguay, a very, let's say, uh, not so prominent country, right? We were able to build this from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the great things about remote working is that it opens up, first software opened up a lot of doors to start companies because there's you can start a company with very, let's say, low budget. And now with remote working, you can also, the ability to start company has amplified a, a lot because you can really start and start hiring good people in other countries. And the, the remote working uh, job boards are, are, are growing, are getting better and are only going to get better. And you can really start a world-class business just with, with remote working that, that previously could have been closed only to people in startup hubs or in places where the talent was right yeah so just do it <laughs> just do it start <laughs> i like it <laughs> that, could be, that could be a way to summarize the. i like it i like it well thank you so much for joining me today pablo that was really fun and i really enjoyed your insights thank, thank and you. your experience thank you, thank you as well for for having me it's been a pleasure that's it for this episode of running remote Thanks for joining us as we dive into the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. We're a very small team behind this podcast, so if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode with a friend. And definitely check us out at runningremote.com. Until next time.